Because yeah. it's always off the top of the dome. Always. Hey. Right? Yeah, no, you go ahead. <laughs> she oh, you're going to give me a little background? Hey. Oh, I've already done that one. Oh, you did? <laughs> and they have Let's to be see. a new one. R&B podcast with Russ and Blake and the guests. R&B podcast today. Yes, we're blessed. That's all. Mm. All right. <laughs> there Thank it is. Thank you guys <laughs> for coming back to talk to us again. It's R&B podcast episode... 53? 53. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very quickly. Um... I got to thank God for this opportunity to have this conversation. Thank God for bringing Russ here. Mm -hmm. He wasn't on the episode last week. I know y'all yeah. missed him. Missed a week due to a crazy travel schedule. And, you know, it was the first episode I missed. So mm -hmm. I felt, you know what I mean? Kind of weird editing it and not being a part of it. <laughs> but <laughs> but we back. back. Yeah, we back with Russ and a special guest. And before I introduce our guests, we've talked about mental health before on this channel, but not very in depth and not exactly directly. So today we bring on Miss Darina Bledsoe, who is a licensed behavioral health professional yes, yes but what is lac uh lac stands for a licensed associate counselor licensed mm -hmm. associate counselor that's what i was looking mm -hmm. for and you work with my wife yeah and um you you helped me recently with the situation with a friend of mine and so i think it's very important that we all just increase our awareness as far as how important it is to manage and address our mental health. And Miss um, Darina is going to explain some resources that we might all be able to utilize. So thank you so much for joining yeah, us today. Yeah. I'm happy we finally made this work. It's a pleasure. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a pleasure. Yeah. And then so before we get into all the nitty gritty, let us know how you got into this profession. I, I got into this profession because I was motivated to be in a leadership position. And so initially I was pursuing my doctorates in medicine and I realized I just don't like touching people and I don't like blood. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah um, but really, I ended up finding that I'm most motivated by understanding people's behaviors. Mm. Right. And mm -hmm. the why. Why would you choose to do that? Why would you decide to engage in a particular, you know, behavior, make a decision in a type of way? So, um Went to school for clinical psychology, got my master's degree, stopped there, came back home to Arizona and have been practicing since 2013. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. And you were in Iowa? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cold. <laughs> Very so welcome cold. back to the valley. Yeah. Beautiful weather here. Mm -hmm. no uh, snow. Yeah, that's cool. Russ also studies psychology. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Was your yours of general psychology? Yeah, I just got my bachelor degree in psychology. Nice. And it's mm -hmm. a field I still like to study, even though I'm not part of school or anything like mm -hmm. that. But mm -hmm. I wonder with you, when you started being motivated to even get into psychology in that realm, like, do you feel like you got the way from something about yourself or were you studying yourself or did something happen that made you curious about why people are doing things? So my thesis focused on military relationships. I'm a military kid okay. and I was really pushed towards that just to understand how did my parents make it work? Right. Long yeah. distance relationship. He's deployed. There's no cell phones. Right. Yeah. Um, no laptops. It's just the big old box computers at the time. And mm -hmm. so um, my biggest thing was just understanding how can they make it work? And a majority of pe people can't. 
So my thesis focused on um, identifying factors that can predict commitment in long distance versus uh, geographically oh, close wow. relationships. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that in my head I'd never thought was like feasible for me just right obviously is difficult for many reasons look if you're an hour away from me it's long distance right you know it's it's pretty challenging for most people nowadays um but i can't imagine how it was then when you didn't have any electronics to connect Mm. with somebody Mm -hmm. you know and then the idea of your partner being in war Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what it was. My dad was deployed um, to Desert Storm. He fought for um, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was younger, when he was in Desert Storm, that was pretty challenging for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. Especially mom being primarily a Spanish speaker yeah. in America and he's gone. So, you know, a lot of factors contributed to how I got into psychology and really sticking to it versus kind of bailing out yeah Mm. yeah Mm -hmm. i'm wondering what were some of the strongest indicators or factors that people would have that would make a long distance relationship work like what did you find in that great question yeah (laughs) so um we focused on three factors it was uh satisfaction alternatives and investments Mm. so the higher your satisfaction is the um higher your investments are and the uh lower your alternatives are the um the higher the likelihood of commitment is predicted in your relationship with that person. And so alternatives is interesting because alternatives can mean like alternative people, but it also includes alternative activities outside of your partner Mm. that you are not including them in. Mm. Right. So if I have high alternatives, I want to go to the gym and I'm not including my partner, that's considered something that might reduce the likelihood of me staying committed to my partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a, good way to kind of illustrate that because i tell people all the time mm-hmm. if you do want to make these changes in your life it's a lot easier if the rest of your family's on board and it's yeah. uh more of a, a group effort mm-hmm. so uh yeah that makes a lot of sense of how that could uh translate into the success of somebody's relationship yeah. too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and then of course relationships are very important uh, in terms of our mental health mm-hmm. you know uh relationships can be very toxic sometimes and um it's it's not easy yeah. to prioritize someone as much as you prioritize yourself. Some people haven't figured out how to prioritize themselves. And then right. so it's even more difficult to actually try to uh, show someone unconditional love yeah. and uh, be level headed in your engagements with them. So um, with the patients that you see, what do you think is kind of a common factor that, you know, inhibits people from being able to operate in a healthy mental space like more frequently gosh what a loaded question um (laughs) so are you saying what are some things that contribute to people being able to like maintain a healthy relationship well yeah i think that right now mental health is such a buzzword Mm -hmm. and i have had issues with mental health in the prep in the past i think that the average person has at least some point in their life right so you know there has to be some consistency in what these people are experiencing for them to not be able to overcome these things on their own and needing to seek that help and i'm I'm sure a lot of your patients seem like they're in a cycle of some sort Mm -hmm. also right Mm -hmm. so like what is the contributing factor that's not really giving them the opportunity to break out of those cycles so i think i think 
my answer is like two parts. So one is understanding your manifestation of mental health and looking at the factors that can contribute to where you are and where you might be in the future with your own mental health awareness. And the other part is the awareness, right? Yeah. So, um, oftentimes when I get started, I like to do this activity called the manifestations of mental health. And it's, you you guys know the Venn diagram with the three circles, Mm -hmm. right? That overlap. Well, yeah, I know Venn diagrams, right? but not yeah. this one that we you're talking start, about with manifestations. So that's how I start the activity. We do the, the the Venn diagram. One circle says environment. The other one says biology. And on the bottom, it says genetics. And those are the three factors that can contribute to yeah. somebody's mental health. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important to acknowledge this because there's one part that's controllable, like our environment, the people that we're around. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other part that's out of our control, like our biology. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's somewhat controllable depending on what we drink, what we eat, et cetera, exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other part of biology can also be your your gender. Right. Mm -hmm. That's not controlled. Your age. Right. Those are things that we just don't have control. Puberty. Right. Mm -hmm. All those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then genetics is your family history. Right. So if you have a family history of diabetes, right, something medical, chances are the the likelihood of you experiencing diabetes is higher. Doesn't mean that you will. You're just more susceptible to it. And it's the same thing with mental health, too. Mm -hmm. So if you have especially in the black culture, depression is something that's very common. Depression is actually the leading condition for adults in Mm -hmm. America and seconds anxiety. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So if you have that in your family history, the likelihood of you experiencing it is just higher. Mm -hmm. Right. And so. You know, I know you mentioned that you have a history too. And one thing I'll say is that we all have a sprinkle of something. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. In our genetic lineage, like mm-hmm. we have a sprinkle of some type of mental health mm-hmm. disorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so awareness is key. Awareness is power. It can give us direction. Right. And sometimes I think the hardest thing about seeing a counselor is being able to put a label or a name to what your experience is. Mm-hmm. Right. Defining it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's easy to say, I know something's off, right. Something's wrong. Right. I'm having issues in my relationship and I just don't know what to do about it. Right. Yeah. And working in therapy allows you to put the spotlight on yourself versus um, focusing on everything else around you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you're I mean, you guys know this when you hit a certain age and you're working and you have family and you have all these goals, all these things, we tend to take the spotlight off of Mm self-care. Right. Yeah. And we focus on the outer valid or the exterior or external validation versus the internal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that can uh, quickly turn into something that's really detrimental to your overall health your physical health your mental health your you know the whole deal and Mm -hmm. so prioritizing prioritizing one piece can easily help benefit all those other realms as well you just have to start somewhere Right. right i'm wondering like is there a time where people could tell within themselves that they've healed some of the genetic factors of their process because maybe some people would be like oh i don't want to have kids and i don't want to reproduce until i heal to the most extent i can my genetic problems is that possible and i mean i think now we're we're playing fortune teller when we say things like if i don't do it now then my future is already negatively impacted sure um the assumption is is if you don't treat it then it can lead to worsening symptoms or outcomes for you um but certainly you know our health is very important. You should spend time addressing it and just understanding more about how you function. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest thing is like our health changes over time. 
right? A right. year ago, we may have been the, the, in the best shape of our life and then an accident happens. And now we have to essentially grieve yeah. the loss of that life that we had and, and begin the process of re-identifying who we are. And that can be really, really heavy. Mm-hmm. It can be very challenging. Yeah, it requires coping skills. And All that. Coping can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. We have to cope with things uh, regularly in our lives because yeah. things are always happening. And, All the time. Uh, sometimes it can feel like a snowball effect of bad things going on. But uh, we were just talking about the you know the power of having the proper mindset and intentions when you're going into certain situations. And I think that a lot of us have the ability to stop that snowball, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, the worse that you're feeling about yourself, the easier it is to make poor decisions around what you're doing and how you're treating yourself and how you're spending your time. So I definitely understand, uh, people getting in these situations where it doesn't seem like they can catch a break and, you know, you really start feeling like the world is working against you, but when it comes down to it, uh, we always have an opportunity to take some level of control. Yeah. And I think that the majority of that starts with the awareness and mm-hmm. putting forth the effort and getting the help if you need it. When one thing I think is really interesting is like when you talk about the black culture specifically, mm-hmm. some people may not know the actual diagnosis that their ancestors mm-hmm. may have, but they know there's like this general idea of something had to be sad or depressing or traumatic in their history mm-hmm. so i'm wondering like how, how could you go about helping someone define possible generational trauma if they don't know specifically what it was you know i think i think there is a lot of discomfort in the unknown mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think oftentimes we have to focus on um there's this concept called radical acceptance right and you can accept something but when you radically accept it it allows you to keep moving mm-hmm. in in a direction, right? Yeah. Um, and and who knows what direction that is, right? That's the concept of radical acceptance. Is it doesn't matter which direction you're going, you're just moving, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think with generational trauma, that's a big thing, especially in Black culture. Black History Month. What's up? Right. Come Shout on out. now. Come <laughs> yeah, on now. It's true. Love Come it. on now. Thank you. And so. Um, you know, and we hear it all the time, right? Passing down stories from generation to generation to generation. And so um, one thing I always encourage is do your best to connect with your family, right? Have those hard conversations. Mm-hmm. If that has been cut, start doing research, right? Mm-hmm. There's stories out there. And sometimes we just have to take the steps to educating ourselves mm-hmm. by putting ourselves in that uncomfortable situation or uncomfortable position and Googling, you know, what happened in Arizona in 1820, Mm. right? What was happening here at that time? Um, Or if your family history like mine is in Spain, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I don't have any black culture out there with my dad's family. Our family history ends at my great grandmother. And it's just because we don't have anything additional from that point. Um, But we did my I can say my family did a great job of providing us some type of historical literature to Mm -hmm. try to be aware of what black history was at that time in indianapolis Mm -hmm. right yeah so those are my roots um but oftentimes that's what i encourage just try to do the research talk to your family ask those hard questions because chances are it's never been discussed Mm -hmm. yeah right but once you ask there's a lot of fear in just having the conversation because we have the worst 
case scenario in our head, mm-hmm. right? If I pull, if I ask my parents, you know, hey, can we talk a little bit more about race and the trauma that's happened in our family? Um, the ideas that we create in our head is this is going to be a problem. We're going to start arguing because this is what's happened in the past. And oftentimes as we grow older and we start putting ourselves in those situations, our older parents are more open to Mm. having these conversations Mm -hmm. because now we're adults. Yeah. Right. And now we want to have the conversations. Now we have the skills to manage the stress that comes from these hard talks. Mm -hmm. Feels like you've been following me or something. I feel like just (laughs) recently I've been experiencing that having, I told my dad just last week that, you know, and he didn't realize this. So it was important for me to tell him, like there was a point in my life where I couldn't have certain conversations with you because I would get too defensive and I wouldn't, really accept the fact that you just want what's best for me and you're trying to be honest and watch out for me and so I told him I appreciated that and I would like for him to understand that all those things that I didn't listen to Mm -hmm. I still remember them and they still meant something and now I'm actively trying to put them into practice and now I'm open door for anything Mm -hmm. you're trying to offer me because I understand how uh, important it is you know you Mm -hmm. talk about having a father in the home and you have to allow the father to be a father as well. So it, it's very easy for youth, especially young men to resist that love because yeah. it's difficult to understand and we don't always show it towards each other as men. And mm-hmm. so um, it might not even be shown the way that we would prefer or expect, but the acceptance of it needs to be there nonetheless and the understanding the awareness. And I really never thought about the importance of lineage and mental health. I think mm-hmm. that was an important uh, key takeaway there that people need to understand also. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So what it, what is to you the mental health crisis? I hear this a lot. People say we're in a mental health crisis. What, what do you think that that even means? I mean, so my therapist mind goes crisis, which means danger to self, danger to others. Right. And so I think what the crisis is, is the fact that we it has been a trend since COVID. Right. And I don't even like saying trend. It's been um, people are more open and willing to reach out for help and also just say, yeah, I've been struggling too. I've been suffering in Mm -hmm. silence and I don't want to be silent anymore. So I really think what the mental health crisis is right now is the fact that so many people are reaching out Mm. and they're just not enough therapists. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So the demand is high, supply Mm -hmm. is low. And I've been saying this since like 2013 when I started practicing because I felt the pressure as a therapist of, of having to manage so many people at once, mm-hmm. right? And that number has only increased. Um, so the CDC states that uh, one, of fi- one in five adults meet criteria for a mental health condition. And, and it's actually trending up to where, where we're seeing about two of five adults, mm. right? So that's two of five in your family. Right. Two of five of your friends. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Two of five people in the grocery store, just people that you're coming across. Right. Right. And so the number is going up because people are reporting it. And it's a crisis because more over than 50 percent of people are untreated. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you have a lot of people who who know that they are feeling broken and lost and confused and uncertain of what to do. And then they're trying to figure it out by themselves. Because 
the stereotypes, the stigmas, mm. right? The lack of availability of therapists, the difficulties of finding a therapist and navigating healthcare. If you don't have insurance, how are you gonna get how are you gonna pay two fifty per session? Yeah. Right? To treat yeah. your trauma. Right. And you probably need a lot of sessions. I mean, how many sessions do you think someone would need to go through before they could that's that's individual that's huh? loaded yeah question, yeah yeah right? you would have no idea that just all depends on the person first, first response is what's your insurance willing to authorize yeah right mm. because it's not it, it that's the toughest part when it comes to the first step of getting the help is how are you going to pay for the help are you yeah. going to use your insurance or are you paying out of pocket mm. if you're going to use your insurance how much days are your or sessions is your insurance willing to cover? Mm -hmm. Could right. you benefit from one session? Like oh, I yeah. saw my therapist once and never went back and like my life is, yeah, kind of oh, helps yeah. open yeah. your eyes to some things. Yeah, right? mm -hmm. it just depends. You know, I've worked with plenty of people who've come and they've probably done maybe two or three sessions with me. And it was just the mere, the mere opportunity to feel heard. Mm -hmm. Right. Feel validated and also reassured that, you know, and I don't like saying this, but I hear patients and clients say this to me all the time. Am I crazy? Yeah. You're, you're asking me if I think you're crazy. <laughs> First off, I don't use that word. Yeah. Right. Unless it's Beyonce crazy in love. Okay. <laughs> um, but I don't use that word because uh -huh. it's there's such a negative connotation attached to crazy. Yeah. Right. And it's like, no, you are not suffering from a mental illness right you have uh mental health issues which you are capable of managing and addressing by learning particular techniques by understanding yourself your symptoms and how you function in the world yeah. mm -hmm. right yeah. it's levels to this yeah you know nice. and so yeah and oftentimes it's having a session validation right here's some resources here's some tools and then um i've had some folks they come back maybe a month or two later Mm -hmm. You know, hey, I've used this these things. Um, thank you for the information about sleep, right? I've been able to get sleep that's helped me a lot with yeah. my symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, once it, it, it just depends on the yeah. person, yeah, and mm -hmm. what their goal is. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Tools and resources, very important because a lot of people want help and they don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. So how would... I navigate this system if I was feeling depressed and I wanted to do something about it right now. So what I would encourage is start with your primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and this is because the company that I'm a part of evolved MD, we specifically have therapists in primary care offices. Mm -hmm. So we make uh, accessing therapists accessible. Um, we also make it affordable too. Because whatever you pay to see your PCP is what you would pay to see our therapist instead of paying a specialty code. Hmm. So that's one step that you can take is connect with your PCP and have a conversation, do a, a schedule a mental health checkup, and they'll be able to give you resources, mm -hmm. especially um, if they're a part of Evolved MD. Mm -hmm. uh, the other step that you can take is uh, you can contact your insurance company. They'll give you a list of in-network therapists who um, who can work with you. You can go to Psychology Today. I mean, there's quite a bit of resources online and I can give you guys some names too. Mm. Um, if you're in Arizona in the Valley, uh, my sister is accepting clients as well. Mm. She is a BIPOC provider, BIPOC, Black and Indigenous People of Color therapist. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, she specializes in trauma therapy. Deanna Bledsoe, make sure y'all look her up. And she's mm -hmm. independent. 
Uh, no, she's okay. at the associate level. She works for a private practice where they do have independent clinicians that she collaborates with. Nice. So that's the nice thing is once you get in with a therapist, it's not just one therapist that you're mm-hmm. working with. Oftentimes there is a team of clinicians Important. who are collaborating, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, collaboration is key. For sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, one person can't do it. No, <laughs> no. I'm wondering, because you were saying that 50% of people or more are walking around like undiagnosed with mental health problems. And why do you like, do you think those people only figure out that they have a problem once they've gone into some type of crisis or depression? I don't even understand mm. how people would know that they have a problem. Well, usually something happens. Like it takes something happening mm-hmm. for people to acknowledge this is an issue and I have to figure out how to make this change it has to stop Mm -hmm. you know um so classic example that will typically drive people to therapy is a loss Mm. right loss of a loved one because that is socially acceptable right Right. you lose somebody Mm. and you go talk to somebody about that loss Mm. right um but then there's kind of the one-off so research also shows that mostly women seek out support because women typically go to healthcare professionals more frequently than men Right. Um, plus, we have a higher vocabulary level too. With mm-hmm. men, it's a lot of spatial reasoning. That's why you guys are great builders. Hard right? to articulate ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's kind of like mm-hmm. a uh, can be a problem, not a problem, but more of a heavy weight. If you're able to articulate yourself more, you're gonna mm-hmm. be able to talk about these emotions or think to yourself the emotions that are difficult for you. Yeah. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that's important to recognize because it's very consistent like uh you might want to say that that's not something you can generalize but like you said Mm -hmm. data does show that those are some differences in just uh personalities and uh you know types of intelligence Mm -hmm. it's not women be more intelligent than men but that uh emotional intelligence is inherently higher in a woman than a man so Mm -hmm. so if we were to go like into the behavioral health facilities that you know admit adults you think it's more men that are going into those because in in a behavioral health facility that's most likely like there was something that happened right Mm -hmm. like maybe police were involved or some type of real crisis and then they Mm -hmm. had to go there for a period of time Mm -hmm. that's usually men so in my experience it's it's a i would say it's probably a nice balance Mm -hmm. um because when you're talking about a behavioral health facility you're talking about inpatient hospitalization an emergency or crisis situation Mm -hmm. and i will say i have worked with quite a bit of men in hospital settings and it's because of um those emergency or crises the danger to self the danger to others um substance abuse right withdrawing from substances mm-hmm. um gosh psychosis or having a psychotic break be- due to a substance or a manic episode mm-hmm. right and so um yeah i do tend to see quite a bit of men in hospital settings um i, I have started seeing more men in the outpatient setting too mm. which is nice again yeah, covid really good. really it really pushed people to start addressing their health more seriously yeah yeah and um you know i always get um a little weary about identifying as depressed you know so how do you i mean is that something that you help people navigate and breaking from that label because it seems like that's something that can carry on Mm -hmm. uh, and follow people their whole lives if they let it right absolutely Mm -hmm. some people 
can't even see their lives without being depressed, right? right? And so yeah. words are power. Um, they have a lot of power. And what I like to do is I like to encourage people to reframe how they talk about themselves, mm -hmm. right? So cognitive restructuring is a really big technique, right? We mm -hmm. hear about it more and more and more. And it's more of, you know, instead of saying I am depressed, it is I am feeling, I am experiencing depression, right mm -hmm. um so that this disconnect can happen right mm -hmm. and so that's kind of the, the the sick part about going to therapy is that oftentimes people will walk in and they'll say you know i'm sick there's something really wrong with me and and i like to to push people towards the this is not your identity right mm -hmm. depression is not your identity just right. because you've experienced it for a long time doesn't mean this is who you are it's a part of your identity Right. And so there are situations that can contribute to higher levels of depression. Mm -hmm. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's something wrong with you. Everybody feels depressed. Right. Yeah. Everybody goes through episodes that are really, really hard and chaotic and scary. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that this is who you are forever. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so. Words are power, right? We can say things like, yes, I'm feeling sad right now. I'm feeling depressed. I'm also grateful that I have people that I can call. Gratitude. Right? Yeah. Gratitude is a big, uh -huh. big, 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 yeah. big factor there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that gratitude is uh, probably where everybody should start. Um, it helps with that awareness, helps yeah. put things into perspective. We like to compare to people that we think are doing better than us and mm -hmm. then forget about the people that we're clearly doing better than. Yeah. Um, and I don't like to have people compare down, but it, it's very natural for us to compare, mm -hmm. right? So if you're going to, you have to <laughs> weigh both sides of the balance yeah. there, right? Yeah. 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 Compare yourself to yourself. Yeah. Identity is big mm -hmm. and it takes a long time to really figure out what that is for somebody mm -hmm. and some people spend their whole lives trying to figure it out come on now yeah. and then an article dropped saying um the official age when you're considered middle age and having an edit like the midlife crisis is now 35 oh Yay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like that was official why is like, that do you know well um people don't live until they're 100 right most people don't mm -hmm. the average Frequently. person lives until they're probably about um 60 think, to 70 i think the new life expectancy is close to 80 yeah yeah so 35 40 is halfway mm. mark so that's mm -hmm. the midlife crisis okay mm -hmm. what do you think is a positive identity because sometimes people will say i am depressed or i am something negative mm -hmm. like in your perspective what is what do you feel like i am should be followed by mm. um i think it should be followed by I am depressed and mm -hmm. I'll survive, mm. right? I'll get through this. It's the using the and to continue that sentence instead of making it a hard period yeah. at the end of that sentence. So do you think like a positive flip of that would be like, I am resilient or like if mm -hmm. someone was trying to just kind of positively identify with maybe like affirmation words and things of that yeah. nature, like I am resilient, I am yeah. capable of, of going through these difficult situations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's also important to reflect on the tough times that you have experienced mm -hmm. and reminding yourself that I did get through it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm feeling depressed today, 
also, I know I can overcome this. The things that I've done in the past have helped me before. I know it can help me again. Mm -hmm. really? Have you ever had any people tell you like, but you don't understand what I'm feeling? Oh, yeah. And then how, how do you how do you deal with that? You know, someone trying to say like you couldn't connect or couldn't feel what I feel. It really kind of depends. Um, if I have a good rapport with with this person, I'll be like, well, how do you know? I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, and we'll kind of explore that 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 situation or that experience because it turns into like well you don't know my life story They're so you don't want to make assumptions right mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but it depends some people are open to having kind of that back and forth dialogue um and some folks aren't mm -hmm. some yeah. folks are are will continue to view themselves as a victim mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so they'll speak out of this victim mentality right yeah. the woe is me you never understand how can you help me mm -hmm. right and it's like well with those types of people i'm like well you're here for a reason mm -hmm. you obviously want something to change right yeah. so even if i'm not that person that will get you there this is a good place to take the first steps to figuring out where nice. you want to be and how to get there yeah yeah, yeah. show them the facts yeah mm -hmm. stay mm -hmm. hopeful stay optimistic Things can change, things can get better, but it's going to take work, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hard work. Yeah. Hard work. And like you mentioned earlier, in the spirit of like it being Black History Month, you know, some they'll, people will talk about how there's a problem with movies that come out that only portray Black people as like slaves yeah. or some type of negative imagery. And it's interesting. It's just like an interesting dichotomy to me to where it's like we do need to learn our history, but we have to flip it and frame it in a way that only provides us with like a positive energy to move forward with mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so i don't know i just hope that you know in the spirit of black history month like we we figure out how to only extract the positive things from all those things that happen and not identify with like a slave or mm -hmm. a, a people that came from slavery or anything like that mm -hmm. i think that's a challenge mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah one of many one honestly of many. Yeah. there was a movie that recently dropped and um and it was very much like it was a it was a slave movie about slavery and um a lot of the comments about the movie where it, it was just a lot of negative comments I like stop complaining that. right mm. um you guys need to get over it slavery didn't even happen and so i think there's a lot of patience that comes with being a black person uh a person of color right mm. there's a lot of patience that goes into dealing with the negativity that and and also the backlash that's tied to black history month yeah. right you know when's white history month when's this kind of history month and it's like well they they, they exist yeah they exist yeah, for sure <laughs> it's just about doing your research mm -hmm. right yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, because I've always felt this way because I'll, I'll study a lot with how they talk about critical race theory uh -huh. and classes. And I've always felt like if I were able to form some type of curriculum that was to teach, you know, only the African-American students about their history, I would mirror kind of what the European white history is. Like, it's great the people they teach about, you know, like the Thomas Jeffersons. Yeah. They, they teach about these people who are resilient and like mm -hmm. philosophic and all these different things. So I feel like the framework is there. It just needs mm -hmm. to like be able to be more universal mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I'm, you know, from the school of thought that, you know, our education in the future is going to be within our own hands. It's going to be like our own responsibility because we're going to all have these tools where we can learn what we want, when we want and how in depth we want. And so um, the important part will be using discernment to decide what information you're going to believe, which can be hard without guidance and structure but um, there's also a lot of projects in action where they are trying to make education more equal and uh, distribute these resources better so uh, Russ knows that I'm uh, a believer of abundance and a very bright positive future so you know there's this doomsday mentality with AI and all these innovations that we have but I just see a lot of potential and one of that is being uh, with mental health because uh, if you think of having a robot on your phone that's there for you to interact with when you're not feeling well and Mm -hmm. it can you know ring an alarm if you're in a crisis and things like that and uh, people get weary of that level of connection with technology but I think we overlook a lot of areas where we're already like really close to that like how we interact with Siri and Alexa and these things that are just kind of second nature Mm -hmm. and then uh, as soon as those things can hold a conversation and you know go back and forth with us and at least make us think that it understands us Mm -hmm. then it's a very different situation which could be powerful for people because loneliness is very uh, deadly it's deadly you know and so if that's all that someone has to make them feel like they're not alone then I think it's important for them to at least have that opportunity yeah. I think technology and mental health is just we we have to learn how to adjust. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and again, going back to covid. Right. Going in office for therapy or even, you know, your own medical visits was something that was reduced. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and even the access to a therapist, that was really challenging because I at, at the associate level, I wasn't able to do any virtual or telehealth sessions everybody Mm. had to come in office Mm. right yeah and this is insurance and licensing right Mm. and all these protections and um you know technology is really a solution to a lot of barriers in being able to to treat your own mental health issues or medical even you know i know i know this um one of my buddies uh he played football d1 was a ref COVID hit and all all the games stopped you guys yeah. remember that yeah, yeah. everything stopped mm-hmm. and so you know he, he couldn't even go to the gym so he relied on his phone to train him mm-hmm. so that he could keep his you know all of his endurance and stamina everything up right. so that when everything was back up and running he was able to keep up with all the d1 football players as a 30 something year old yeah 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 and even last week i talked with a friend justin of mine he talked about how so many people did capitalize on the pandemic and mm-hmm. use that downtime as a opportunity to kind of accelerate yeah. and yeah. really take care of themselves mm-hmm. and find new solutions. And yeah. um, it was unfortunate that that couldn't be the majority of the world. Um, <laughs> I think most of us got hit pretty hard and oh, are yeah. s- still even he- healing from that. But um, it should also just remind us that there is always potential to take control Always. And it just depends on what angle you're going to look at the situation from, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, just because, like, we've been talking about these things. So during the 2020, like, COVID time, the, the George Floyd incident happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of people on social media started talking about how the police need to be, like, retrained to be able to mm-hmm. deal with people who have mental health issues. Like, what was your perspective on that? And how, how do you think, like, a police officer 
should approach a large grown man who might be dealing with some type of mental health problems? I think training is essential. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if you are in a role where you, where it's a helping role, right. Mm -hmm. Where you have to directly work with people. Um, having that type of training can be very useful because it, it taps into that empathy mm-hmm. that really can help de-escalate situations, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, I used to do resiliency training with first responders a couple of years back. Nice. And yeah, and most of it was focused on mental health one-on-one mm-hmm. or 101, right? And just understanding basic facts, right? This is how somebody who's depressed, this is how it can look, right? Mm -hmm. So to you, you might see a big angry guy, but in reality, this guy has been experiencing depression. He hasn't slept, right? Mm -hmm. He's, he probably just got into an incident that was, um, he didn't mean to get into it, right? So he's feeling embarrassed, Mm -hmm. right? And so if we're capable of giving that person, identifying where they're at in their stage of escalation, right, then we're better equipped to de-escalate them before something dangerous or unwanted happens, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's levels to it, but I, I, anybody who wants training, I think, should should receive it if you are in a direct role where you're working with folks you should have some type of mental health training yeah, yeah you've yeah. mentioned sleep more than once oh uh, explain gosh. to our audience the importance of sleep and mental health get to get to sleep <laughs> <laughs> sleep is essential for everything everything it, it, everything yeah i mean it helps with recovery. Mm-hmm. It helps your brain heal itself. It helps your body heal itself. Um, oftentimes, that's the number one sign that something's going on is when your sleep's impacted, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this can be things like having difficulties, falling asleep, staying asleep, frequently waking up, nightmares, right? Lucid dreams, things as such. Um, and then, like, the severe cases where we're seeing, like, sleepwalking or narcolepsy, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, you know, if, if you're capable of getting between six, I would say six is minimum, really seven. I like seven as my minimum for sleep and eight to nine maximum for sleep, then you're golden, mm-hmm. right? You're golden. Um, but I would say if your stress levels are higher than normal, check in with your sleep. If that's off, talk to your doctor, especially if what you're doing isn't enough. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, just like with everything, uh, we can all function off of different levels of sleep, but there's certainly a minimum. So I, oh, I would yeah. agree that six is probably the minimum that anybody should be allowing on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And um, having the routine and the normal bedtime and the normal wake time and uh, s- proper sleep hygiene is very important. Yes. So there's a lot of factors uh, that go into play and there's a lot of solutions that people can explore to have better quality of sleep. Mm-hmm. And um I always try to help people uh, at least explore all those other solutions before they do things like take Ambien right. and all of these like really heavy medications yeah. that yes will knock you out but oh, yeah. also have these other side effects that creates dependency. Yes, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. yeah. Um so yeah, uh what I think sleep is the the leading symptom of mental illness right and um Mm -hmm. it can exacerbate things greatly it can cause these breaks that you've talked about oh yeah um i have a friend that experienced that actually and um yeah just um you know there are things going on in his life right so he wasn't able to sleep just simply because of that yeah you know day three or four really has like a break and a scary episode of course um 
you know, unfortunately, when things like that happen, it's it's already hard enough for the individual, but um, people start to treat you differently yeah. and um, it can be very hard to bounce back from those situations. So yeah. um, it can be pretty in depth. And um, I think that, you know, what you do is important and people need to explore these options a lot more because yeah. I always talk about how I never explored these options and got the help that I needed. So I'm very grateful that I'm here today right. in the state that I'm in. But, you know, you don't have to do it alone and you really shouldn't do it alone i don't right. think there's many things that we should do alone except like explore our own consciousness mm -hmm. and try to be more self-aware yeah all these battles that we're fighting there's there's teams available for us to build and yeah. fight through together right yeah mm -hmm. we all have a story mm -hmm. we yeah. all have a story we and we all have traumas whether it's i always talk about the little t's and the big t's mm -hmm. right some of us have a lot of little t's some of us have a lot yeah. of big t's yeah, yeah, yeah. right and so it's it's all about what do you want to do with what you know and what you have mm. right do you want to carry all of this stuff and let it weigh you down and slow you down or do you want to you know like envision that big heavy bag of stuff Ooh, i right? just i just pictured jesus you Come talk on. about big t's little t's i'm thinking of the cross jesus carrying the oh, cross oh yeah hello right hallelujah that's a yeah. little t but it's big and heavy Come yeah on and, it, and it represents the yeah, suffering yeah, yeah it really does yeah. it does and um yeah i i uh i thank god every time we have these opportunities and i can just have the awareness of uh drawing these correlations because um i love that you put it that way i never we we talk about not comparing traumas but big t's and little t's are a really good way to put it yeah, yeah and yeah. since you bring that up i wonder what you think about because there will be a lot of people who, when they enter like a manic state, mm -hmm. they will have feelings like they're a prophet, right? You like yeah. hear people say that, like, oh, I'm Moses mm -hmm. or I'm Jesus in these states where they're manic. Sure. Like, what do you, what is that? Like, I, I've never understood that kind of like grandiose, like prophetic ideas. So, so one part of it is grandiosity. And mm -hmm. then there's the other part of psychosis. So psychosis is two things. There's hallucinations and delusions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So hallucinations are disruptions in your senses, right? right? The five senses and delusions are false beliefs mm -hmm. right so i am moses is a false belief mm -hmm. so that is a delusional thought um and then when we say things like i am moses and i'm invincible and i can do what i want that's that grandiosity mm -hmm. right this this thought that um you are invincible right you can do anything that you want with no repercussions mm -hmm. right yeah. yeah and so um that's all mood related right huh. and that's that deals with your brain chemistry, that deals with your biology, your physiology, all the stuff that's internal. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the intervention is going to be medication management, especially when we're talking about mania or psychotic breaks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I've it's never understood. Yeah. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never understood that. And it makes complete mm -hmm. sense because if you start to feel like you were invincible, you're not mortal, all these things that are just completely not realistic. Yeah. Now you've entered that grandiosity. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah okay. And if you throw trauma into it, mm -hmm. right, there can be this uh, dissociation that's happening. Right. So there's this disconnect from reality. Yeah. Right. Um, which dissociation is typically a response to trauma. Yeah. Right. And so when we think of um, like childhood trauma, if there's any type of, um, 
you know, let's say the caregivers in the home are having a domestic violence or they're arguing, right? Oftentimes the, the child will dissociate or disconnect and go to an imaginary world that's safe, mm-hmm. right? And these are ways to keep their mind safe, yeah. right? Um, and then as we get older, if we have a bipolar condition or maybe we have a mood disorder that's untreated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have three to four days of poor sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. Two hours maximum of sleep. Right. Um, And we're having work related issues. These are all things that can snowball into something that's bigger. Right. right? Into having a big manic episode with psychotic features. So so that's similar to like the kid who goes into a different place to disassociate from their problems when they're younger. As they get older, you're saying that um, that can look like them entering into a manic state. Um, not necessarily. What, what tends to happen is, um, the, the things that we've done when we were kids, right. Mm -hmm. To help soothe ourselves or help make ourselves feel safe. We tend to continue those coping skills or defense mechanisms Mm -hmm. as an adult. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so the dissociation as a kiddo, as an adult, it can look like me just being on autopilot at work. Mm. Right. And then if I'm not getting the sleep and I'm having a manic episode, I'm really disconnected. Okay. Right. Yeah. I'm having a tough time grounding myself to reality. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. Love, love, (laughs) love mental health. Yeah. (laughs) And now it's so easy to be disconnected from reality because all the virtual, you know, know, we're in our phones and there's so many distractions readily available Mm -hmm. that it's, uh, pretty simple to ignore the problems in your life and yeah. kind of cover things up and act like they're not a big deal. Yeah. And, um, it's very, uh, I, I think it, it's second nature to lose your awareness at this point when it, we get yeah. consumed with these, uh, devices that we have. So, mm-hmm. um, how often do you see addiction play a role into people's like depression and their other mental issues? Often, yeah. you know, often, um, Yeah, I mean, COVID, I think, really, really did a number on folks um, and their addiction. So uh, around that time, folks that that had been struggling with an addiction issue, uh, we saw their symptoms exacerbating. We saw a big jump in numbers with people just struggling with substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And then those that didn't have a history of substance abuse, um, if they lost their job, if they lost a loved one due to COVID, right? Um, If they were restricted in doing things, oftentimes they were engaging in substance use to self-medicate or deal with stress, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And things like alcohol use, right? That that is socially acceptable, right? right? But then you have to think about other things too to like caffeine use, right? Mm-hmm. Nicotine use, marijuana use, right? These are all things that are socially acceptable and legal, but they are being abused, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, addiction plays a big role on mental health and medical, physical wellness too. So when I ask you about addiction, one thing that comes to mind for me that I think people overlook is I feel like we can get addicted to anything. Come on now. You know, so yeah. substance abuse, of course, is a huge, huge issue. But, sure. you know, video games, mm-hmm. sex, mm-hmm. Uh, food. technology, food, mm-hmm. food's a big one. Yep. Do you have people come in with uh, various addictions like this oh, that yeah. are uh, kind of plaguing their lives? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't mean to smile, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only reason why is because it. Um, my first job was working at an eating disorder facility. Mm. and chemical dependency facilities. So 
uh, I experienced a lot, an array of addiction issues, you know? Um, So I think when we think of addiction, it is important to decipher between addiction and substance abuse, right? right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can be addicted to anything. Mm -hmm. We can be addicted to a person that's called codependency, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, or toxic relationship. Who you said, who said toxic earlier? Yeah. Toxicos, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, it varies. Um, an addiction is is really defined on um, one's inability to moderate, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so if there's poor impulse control surrounding that, if you're having the cravings and the urges, the intrusive thoughts that you have to engage in a particular behavior mm-hmm. to get that high, right? Or that dopamine right. mm-hmm. um how you say the dopamine the spike uh, there response. it is the spike mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah then it's considered an addiction nice. yeah. yeah so many different things that you can be addicted to thanks for clarifying that. oh yeah because i i think a lot of people are unaware of that you know and oh, yeah. you can identify that there's an issue and you don't realize it's like your repetitive behavior or something right. that's taken away from your time to work on yourself or be present with your family exactly. or something like that right yeah. so so you're saying like if someone is addicted to a person that's not just love well, it just depends on the on what's happening. Yeah. Right? right. There's so, like a fine line between like codependent and like you got to be able love. to function without that person. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So codependency um, has a negative connotation to it. But really, codependency is about give and take. Mm. Right. We are all codependent. Right. So think about your wife maddie oh right? man don't yes mess up. you guys are codependent Darina to took my other. wife away from me uh two weekends ago and i had to fend for myself with the baby yep. and i felt codependent mm-hmm. i was like oh right. <laughs> she does a lot for me yes she does yeah right but you also do a lot for her too right and that's healthy codependence right, okay. right? because mm-hmm. there's this give and take there's communication right there's understanding there's willingness to say I, babe, I can't do this, mm-hmm. right? I need your help, mm-hmm. right? And her to say, I got you. I also need your help. You got to watch her while I'm in Vegas, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so that's healthy codependency when there's that give and take and it's equal, mm-hmm. right? It becomes unhealthy when one person is giving, 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 and the other one takes, 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 yeah. right? And then when the giver finally asks, the taker is like, whoa, you asked for too much, mm-hmm. right? You want too much. You expect too much from me, mm-hmm. right? And then things like gas lighting right manipulation um victimizing themselves those things come into play and that's when it be- turns into unhealthy codependence yeah, right? yeah but the same thing goes for independence and dependence too right it's all about moderation right we hear things like oh you're too independent right and too independent is a bad thing yeah. but we but when we're kids we're dependent on our caregivers right striving for independence come on now right, right? right. and we have to fight for it almost that's yeah. when we get rebellious right we talk back we push limits right we break curfew all that stuff right, right? right. because i'm grown i'm grown i'm about to be 18 you can't tell me what to do right <laughs> yeah right and then exactly. all been there all right. been there right and so it's 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 all about moderation Right. And it's all about being able to say, you know what, I'm I've noticed that you haven't you haven't asked me out on a date. You know, I'm always coming up with date ideas. Right. Date night. I'm always cook. I feel like I'm always doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then instead of the answer being like, well, I do it, too. Right. It turns into, you know what, I can tell it's really stressing you out. Why don't I plan on cooking for tonight? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. I, I got it. Don't worry about dinner anymore, right? And we're focusing more on solutions versus being argumentative, being defensive, pushing back, or trying to stick up for ourselves. Trying to be right. Yeah. yeah. Don't always have to be right. Don't <laughs> have to. And I had to learn that. I mean, and everybody has to learn that. That's sure. part of like, you know, uh, learning how to be in a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of learning that's involved and some people don't like learning. Yep. So you get in that situation and there you are and you try to operate at the level that you met at and that's not how it's supposed to be and right. that's not how it can be. Yep. I mean, that's how you ha- slip into the the toxic uh, uh, dynamics of the relationships, yeah. right? And I like, because like I said earlier, um, loneliness is very deadly. So is, being yeah. too independent can easily drive you into loneliness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're all driven and want to be successful and I see people get caught up in their work and they start you know neglecting their relationships personal relationships yeah. and uh, all of a sudden they look up and they might have all the money they want but nobody's there for them to exactly. enjoy it with and that's not a place anybody wants to be in yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess yeah. with that being said what that might be a good segue into the journal that you were speaking yeah. about that so like <laughs> what is that and can you yeah. explain it so um, my sister and I created a journal when COVID hit mm-hmm. and this is because um when we created our business initially it was focused on coaching so we would go into companies and we would do training with the staff to coach them up on their mindset resilience to ultimately improve their performance right Mm -hmm. COVID hit all that stuff stopped so we created a journal that's tangible where people can keep working Mm -hmm. right so the journal's called empowered as fuck and Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and it focuses on uh five concepts so we we focus on mindset we look at affirmations so we have people actually write down and practice affirmations really understanding the science behind affirming yourself and affirming others right um we also talk about finances right because Mm -hmm. those things are important Mm -hmm. that can stress that stresses most people out right so we talk about um what is budgeting how to feel more empowered and and um also stable when it comes to finances Mm -hmm. and financial security right Mm -hmm. um we also talk about your support system right because like you said loneliness is a killer right um it it really can take you away from the person that you are meant to become especially if you feel like i have to do this alone or i'm i'm in this alone Mm -hmm. right and it's just that's just not a reality. Um, so we talk about the importance of your support group, identifying uh, identifying people that build you up versus keep you stagnant or pull you down. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really what empowered as fuck means, right? Yeah. It's it's focusing on you again. The focus is on you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because chances are you haven't spent the time that you need to take care of yourself and to build the awareness of what's happening with you in your mind, right? Your thoughts, your emotions, how you're behaving in the world towards others, towards yourself. Mm. It's meant to slow down the moment in this crazy fast paced world. Yeah. That was a lot of valuable content. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> because, um, again, comprehensive health, you have to take care of the levels and then you build from the ground up and then up wow. here is a lot better. Yep. So financial health is something that we overlook and oh, yeah. uh, reckless spending and... Um, you know lack of awareness That's you know some people don't know how much money they have in their account they just swipe the car swipe the car and exactly. it's getting easier and easier to do that you mm-hmm. know yeah. uh, even me go to grocery store double click my phone to pay for my groceries now and that's something that used to be uh we, we were a lot more aware of that number when you have to hand over the bills right, so yeah. we're kind of 
all learning to transition into this new financial environment mm-hmm. to where um, some of that awareness has been stripped from us. So we yeah. just have to adapt a little bit. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the all, all the apps that you can just buy stuff on, and you know, be subscribed Come and on. subscriptions. All of a sudden it's like, dang, this is a thousand dollars just draining out of nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even know what it's going towards. Mm-hmm. You forgot you subscribed to that uh, four months ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you. uh Oh man, I, I know you deal with people who have fallen in situations like that because, um, again, that's one of the easiest ways to have mental health issues oh, yeah. if your finances are going crazy right yeah. there. Um, do you give people resources regarding like what they're going through? Yeah. yeah, it just depends on what the what the issue is, right? Mm. Or what the need that needs to be met is. Um, one thing I will say is whatever the whatever needs to be fixed or whatever needs to be addressed there are resources available yeah. right and if you're having a hard time finding it connect with a professional cuz chances are they know how to get you connected yep you know it's it's a, it's uh how you say um we're in the role of helping people mm-hmm. right and so we're going to do everything that we can to help mm-hmm. right it just takes you as the person taking that first step to ask for it. Yeah. Got to have some, uh, some faith in yeah. the system Yeah, and mm-hmm. be vulnerable. And, and, and if you feel like that person that you're working with, isn't a good match for you, you find somebody else. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're supposed to shop around for doctors, for therapists, mm-hmm. for ev- anybody that you are paying for services for you're supposed to yeah. shop around thank you yeah that's big time oh yeah and that's one thing i tell all my clients is like look off top if i'm not a match for you just let me know mm-hmm. it's i'm not going to take it personally don't feel like you're a bad person because mm-hmm. you're asserting your needs yeah right. and this right? is about you not me exactly like, i'm here to serve you yeah. if mm-hmm. you're not getting what you need you need to go figure out how yeah. to get it right yeah. and that's kind of might be a little bit of the symptom of why they're there anyway they might not feel like they deserve the best for themselves so they don't even know how to like stand up and be like oh wait i need something better right now yeah you're almost trying to teach them in a way how to do that like you're deserving yeah you yeah. are deserving you are worthy mm-hmm. you are resilient you are a good person yeah like it's just <laughs> that's you, very positive yeah oh you don't make me cry yeah no that felt good I feel like you know, it's be all this nice stuff I'm like man i'm gonna walk out of here with a big old chest on, about good. the day <laughs> i walked good. in with it though you know yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, like, when's the last time that you looked in the mirror and you said those things to Thank yourself? Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know oh, what man. I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I say really... that all the time. Mm-hmm. It's important. It is. Nobody's there to judge you, no. so why be self-conscious about it, no. right? I mm-hmm. mean, but we judge ourselves like that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's where most of the judgment comes from. Yep. Everybody else is not as worried about you as you are. Yeah. <laughs> and we get uh, yeah. uh, very self-conscious, and it's just uh, stories that we're making up in our head of possibilities. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of how this started. You were ch- talking about changing like the story that you're telling about yourself. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. that's just powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hold the pen mm-hmm. to our story. Mm. You know, his and her story. Come on now, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, yeah, that's real. All right, Miss mm-hmm. Darina, thank you so much. Yeah, thank we're you. gonna have you back this on. Been great, hundred okay. percent. And sure. your sister. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, so we will do a song for you too. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. Um. So for you, people can um, utilize your services through Evolve MD. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, 
I mean, they might not be able to pick you specifically, but they can get into the network, right? Yes, uh-huh. uh-huh. So. Mm-hmm. And you can always connect with me. Um, I'm very active on Instagram, so at Darina Bledsoe, send me a DM, mm. and I can get you connected. Nice, mm-hmm. yes. Be resourceful, y'all. She's uh, telling you right here yeah. where to get the help you need. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fight on your own. Uh, we're all struggling a little bit on certain days, and certain days we struggle a lot a bit, but we get back up and we uh, open our mouths and let people know on, that man. we need the help. Yeah. Um, shout out to Rhythm and Balance LLC for this beautiful production. Shout out to Elevate Personal Training LLC for premier premium fitness and nutrition coaching in the southwest and your sister where can they utilize her services so her name is diana bledsoe you can she's pretty active on instagram too um at diana bledsoe she is a part of aligned counseling here in phoenix nice Mm -hmm. cool and there's so many options so many options and you have to shop around try them out um and put that insurance to work. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah make them work for you. You're paying for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Use it. Yeah. What you got? That's it. I just feel grateful that you could come today. I love this conversation. Um, shout out to Rhythm and Balance for producing this episode. And if that's all we have, then like last week, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.